You should have. If you don't, why not? Now, it's funny now, you can get the Bible on phones and people have got it on iPods and some people have got the entire thing committed to memory in their heart. <laughs> Lord, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you, uh, Father, for the chance to be here. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would just take the words that are coming out of my mouth. I pray you would interpret them into a language that each person here would understand. And Father, I pray that each of us would walk out of here today hearing whatever it was that you want to say to us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to do things a little bit different this morning. I want to share a bit. With us, and at the end of that, I'm going to get Christy to come on up and she's going to do a finger dance on the keyboards there for us. And I want to ask people to respond to God this morning. Um, we've, I've pushed the chairs back a little bit further today and leave a little bit of a space up here. <laughs> the last few weeks, <coughs> we've been talking about giving and we've looked at a few different things and I want to continue that today, but I feel like from what I'm hearing from people that God is speaking, I feel like it's a God time to cover what we've been covering. And when God speaks, I feel like he usually wants some kind of action on behalf of people. God doesn't throw his words out there just for the sake of it. You know, God's not a gossip. Uh, he speaks and his word is valuable. And what he has to say is transforming and life-changing. But we have a responsibility to respond to God as well. And for some of us, usually what I would say 90% of the time, 99%, actually I'll go 100. Why not? I'll back myself on this one. 100% of the time, God's invitations are twofold. They're accepted verbally, but they're also accepted by action. We do something as well. It's one thing to sit here and to say to God, for example, I surrender all. It's another thing then for me to go and in my life show that to God. That, you know what, God, I'm serious about this. And when God comes to me and says, I want you to surrender this or I want you to give me this or I want you to walk with me in this area or, or face this thing and let's journey through this issue, it's another thing to respond to God and say, okay, God, that's exactly what I meant, Lord, when I said I surrender all. You know? And it's one thing to go through what we're going through and to look at things like giving and generosity. And, and, and last week we, we touched on tithing and offering. And It's one thing to look at all that and then to sit there and to just say, yes, we agree, God. It's another thing to actually do something. You know, I say it time and time again. It's not what you know that changes your life. It's what you do with what you know that changes your life. The Pharisees knew a lot about God. They knew a lot about the law. They read the prophets and the Old Testament books that pointed to a person, a Messiah that was going to come, a deliverer that would come to the nation of Israel. They knew all about it. Matter of fact, if you go back when uh, the stars are in the sky and the wise men go and uh, Herod hears about it and he, he goes to his, uh, calls the religious leaders and he goes, where is this baby to be born? Uh, they knew straight away, well, he's to be born in Bethlehem because they went back. There's one of the obscure prophets, might be Micah, maybe another one, but one of the minor prophets has prophesied at a time years before that the Messiah would be born in, in Bethlehem and so on. So as soon as he said to them, where's the Messiah to be born, they knew straight away. They didn't go, I'll go and get my strongest concordance and I'll do some study. 
straight away they knew because they knew all this stuff they knew all this information that pointed to him but when he came they did not recognize him so you can have all the knowledge in the world and your life can stay exactly the same as what it is right now we can make all the verbal commitments in the world to god but our life can stay exactly the same as what it is there's something powerful about action there's something powerful about doing something and so what i want to do this morning at the end of uh, when i finish sharing and (coughs) I just want to create some space for people to do something. And I'm not saying that I want you to jump up and empty your wallets and everything. I'm not talking about that. Because hopefully you've picked up a bit of a theme. What we're talking about is so much more than just finance. Okay? I feel like we're talking about more than just money, although we have been specifically focusing on that. And we'll expand a little more today as we talk about giving gratefully. But I want to create space for people. You know, sometimes just a simple act of of standing up and coming forward is an act of faith it's an action of faith to say to god no lord you've spoken to me and i'm going to respond to this but you know i'm serious about that and what can i do right now to show you that god i'm just going to get up and come forward it's not about being religious i know some people think oh it's religious oh we don't do a lot of you know uh all the calls at the end of church people to come forward that's not because uh, we're not into them um but i know a lot of people think oh it's just religious and you know If you've got to come forward every week, you come forward every week. If that's your act of faith before God in saying, this is what I have to do something right now to solidify this decision I've made while I'm sitting. I do it a lot. I've got to do something tangible and practical to to show this commitment to God and to solidify that commitment in my own heart as well. Other than just sitting there quietly by myself and going, well, thank you, God, for what you told me. And I'll make this silent commitment to you and I'll do it. And then nine times out of ten... I, I can quite easily just get on with life and forget all about the things that God has said to me and I haven't activated or done anything. So I want to create a little bit of space here this morning for people to respond to God. Uh, whether that means just stand in your chair, whether it means come forward as an act of faith and just imagine that the cross is up here and you just stand before the cross and you just do your business with Jesus. It doesn't have to be to do with anybody else. It's your commitment to God. So I want to finish up that way today. So I just want you to listen and to reflect and think about what has God been saying to you over these last few weeks in genesis 14 we started there and we looked at the first time that the title was mentioned and that's how we kicked this whole sort of series off is we've been going back to the first time that that a tithe was presented to god and we drew out these three principles that the tithe was given voluntarily that the tithe was given systematically and that giving was done gratefully and so we've been covering that ground over the last few weeks and uh, we talked about voluntary giving, that there was no coercion, nothing like that. We talked last week more specifically about systematic giving. If you weren't here last week, you can go onto iTunes and have a listen to that. Um, I covered a fair bit of ground there, threw a few scriptures at you. The idea being that you will take those verses away and you will have a look at them for yourself. What I believe won't change your life. What you believe will change your life. I will die for my convictions. You won't die for my convictions. Young people sitting here in, in church this morning, you won't die for your parents' convictions. You won't stand strong on your parents' convictions. The older you get, you realize you've got to know what you believe and why you believe it. Because you'll have an opportunity in your life to stand on what you believe one day, not what everybody else believes. And that's just the reality of life for all of us. I will stand for my convictions. You'll stand for yours. So what are your convictions? Where do they come from? How do you get them? Well, I want to tell you, go to the Word of God. Pray and ask God as you read this book to open your eyes to show you. And so that's what we did last week. We gave some stuff about the area of tithing and I shared my conviction of tithing. And I brought the word of God out there and and, and I want you to to have a listen to that and to think about that and to pray about that because again, it's one thing to sit here and to say, yep, Alan, I believe tithing is right. It's another thing to actually do it. Yep, it's another thing to do it. 
It's one thing to sit here and go, yes, I believe in giving. It's another thing to be a giver. It's one thing to sit here and go, yes, I believe when you step out in faith, uh, trust God that things happen in life. It's another thing to take that step of faith and trust God in whatever area or realm of life that you're being challenged in at the time. So actions mean a lot. So we've covered that area of tithing last week. Before I move on, just want to throw one quick uh, end note to last week. I understand and acknowledge that people come from different backgrounds. And, you know, you can have two believing people, a husband and wife who are believers, who can both have different opinions on giving. It can be hard enough in Christian homes. But I also know that there are a lot of people who may not have believing spouses. And so when it comes to giving, that can be a... I understand that it's not as cut and dry and there can be uh, difficulties there with that, depending on how people do their finances and so on. I just want to say this, that uh, God understands that situation, all right? And you've got to come to a place of conviction and you've got to come to a place of uh, understanding within the context of how you do your own finances, within the context of your own marriage and so on. Um, and I know that sometimes, uh, I've heard stories many, many times from people that may be one partner in church and one not. And the one in church will say, you know, uh, my, my partner doesn't mind me coming to church on a Sunday morning. They'll let me do that. My partner doesn't mind me reading my Bible. My partner doesn't mind me praying. As a matter of fact, they probably prefer me to pray because I'm taking my hassles to him and not dumping on them. So they're happy for me to go and pray and take stuff to God. But when it comes to giving money, that's a very different issue. Okay? So I just want to uh, uh, say to, to those people that are here that... Um, I think God understands the difficulty in that. And that's something that you need to navigate with God, and something also that you navigate with respect to your partner and depending on how you do your finances and so on as well. So I wanted to put that in there last week. Um, and, and, and look, if you find yourself in that situation, you want to have a chat about that, um, myself and Jackie, we're happy to sit down and have a chat with you and pray with you as you navigate your way uh, through that one. Okay. <laughs> the third point we want to look at today and finish on is my favourite one, and that is that we give gratefully. How many of you know that attitude is a really, really important thing in life. Attitude is a very important thing in life. When we go back to the first time that we see giving done, tithing done by Abram in Genesis chapter 14, we see Melchizedek coming out to Abram, Genesis 14 and verse 20. And Melchizedek says this to Abram, he says, And blessed be the God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, being Abram, gave a tithe of all. Melchizedek reminded Abram and said, you know what, the place you're standing right now, God has done so much where you are right now. And out of a response to that reality, Abram gave a tenth. If we go across and we talked about this in Genesis 28, we look at the second time that the tithe is mentioned and we see Jacob bringing a tithe to God. Here's what Jacob says in Genesis 28 verse 20. Jacob says this, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If... If, if God will be with me and, here's a few conditions being thrown out here, if you'll be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I can come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God 
And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I'll surely give you a tenth. We see straight away there the difference in the attitude. Abraham is giving. Abraham's giving to God as an acknowledgement in the place he's standing right now that, God, you've blessed me. God, you've done good things for me, and I'm going to give out of that. Jacob is throwing some conditions on God. He's saying, God, I'll become a generous person when you do this. And when you do that, and when you can do this for me, and when you can do that for me, then I'll become a generous person. And then what I'm going to do, God, is I'm going to start to give you a tithe, a tenth of my increase. But God, it's conditional on you having to do a bunch of things for me. Abram acknowledged God has already done a bunch of things for me. And out of that place, he gave. Jacob said, Lord, you need to do a bunch of things for me. And then I'll be a generous person. And then I'll give. Can you see the difference in the attitude between the two people? Abram was able to stand in the place where he was now and look around and go, you know what, I can find blessing after blessing after blessing. I can stand where I am right now, whether I have little or much, I can stand here and look around and acknowledge the goodness of God upon my life right now where I am. Jacob's going, well, I'd like to do that, God, but I need you to do this first and that first and this first and that first. And if you'll do all that, then I'll be... You know, the problem with people who have an attitude like Jacob, they never have enough. They're always looking down the track for something else to happen before they decide to give back to God. They're always waiting for the planets to line up just a little more straighter. They're almost there, God, but now I need this. And now I've got this, we're going to really need that. Okay, now you've done that, I really need you to do this. Okay, now I need you to sort this. And it never, ever ends. People like Abram stand where they are right now, whether it be in the middle of a dung heap or on the top of a mountain, and go, God, I'm going to make a deliberate choice to look at the blessings that are in my life, and when I focus on those blessings and acknowledge them, it's natural to want to give. It's natural to want to be a generous person when we can acknowledge the blessing of God upon our life, when we can acknowledge how good we have actually got it. It's easy to be a generous person when you live with Abram's perspective. It's very hard to become a generous and a grateful person if you live like Jacob. Always wanting God to do something else to make you happy. And when God does that and makes me happy, then I'll respond to God. Problem is, he can never do enough to make you happy when you approach him with that kind of attitude. Abram lived in the moment and Jacob lived for some unfixed point down the track in the future some unfixed point that never seems to come along. Now, I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think about your favourite comedy show. Everybody ever think about it? Think about your favourite comedy. It might have been a skit you saw once that just got you going. And I want you to, to just picture in your mind's eye right now, zone everybody else out here, just have a think about that funniest moment in the funniest film you've ever seen. Or the funniest skit perhaps you saw performed or maybe it was a a YouTube video, one of those prank things that that you laughed at or whatever. Have a think for a moment about the funniest thing that you've seen. Now have a think about the moment that you first saw that or the moment you first heard that joke that was the funniest joke you've ever heard. And I'll guarantee this, it wasn't a dad joke because dad jokes just aren't funny. I'll keep telling them, but... People will keep telling me as well they're not funny, but I'll keep telling them because I'm a dad and it's what's expected of me in the big order and scheme of life. But think about that moment. Now, let me hypothesize. Let me have a guess. Let me, let, me, let me imagine I was there in that moment. I reckon it didn't take a lot for you to think 
Oh, I'm going to uncontrollably belly laugh right now. That's really funny. So I'm just going to relax myself and just let this (laughs) big belly laugh come out. I reckon here's what happened. You saw the skit, you heard the joke, whatever, and before you knew what was going on, something bubbled up from the inside of you and you just began to laugh. Am I right? Does anyone anyone have that experience? Okay? I'm going to be confident to say, every one of you sitting here, if you could recall that joke, that moment, that thing, I'll guarantee that's what happened. You were sitting there and you're watching the movie or you're listening to the gag and all of a sudden, the punchline, the moment, the pie in the face, whatever it was, and out of your belly, you just started laughing. You didn't think about it. You didn't have to work hard at it. have to build yourself up to a laugh it just bubbled up out of you and you began to laugh is that correct exactly right i think about myself and if i think about that moment for me my favorite movie in the world is a movie called dumb and dumber anyone ever seen dumb and dumber i mean it it probably makes sense now that you've you know if you go home and watch it you'll probably sit there and go yeah yeah it makes sense completely i get it I understand where he's coming from now. It's a great film, but, but you know, there's something about the scenes in that movie that I just, funny things will happen and it just bubbles out of me. I love the movie so much that whenever anybody wants to be uh, our friend or in our family, one of the things we used to do is we used to sit down with them and watch the movie. And, and we, would, we would deliberately watch the movie with you because if you didn't think it was funny, we would think, well, we can't be friends with them. Because <laughs> somewhere along the line, they're not going to get our sense of humor. We can't be friends. You know, I pity our boys when, when, when our boys and, and, and Chloe bring people home. That's one of the things we do. We're going to sit down as a family. We're going to watch that movie. If they don't laugh, they're gone. Simple as that. Funniness draws something out of us, just as laughter is drawn out of us when we see something funny. Giving is drawn out of us when we're grateful. Gratefulness leads to giving, if I can put it that way. We praise God when he does something good. Ever had that moment where God has answered a prayer or God has done something wonderful for you or he's, he's tweaked a circumstance or a situation and, and in that moment when you realise what God has done, we want to give praise to God because we're grateful for what he has done so we want to give praise. It comes up out of us and we want to praise God. We give thanks to other people when they do nice things for us. Is that true? We give thanks to other people when they do something nice. When, when you do something to me, when, when Leslie comes up to me with a cup of tea while we're having morning tea, she brings me a cup of tea every morning. She makes me one coffee and brings it, gives it to me. And, and my first initial response straight away is to say thank you. Why? Because I'm grateful for what... She, I don't ask her to do it. I don't expect Leslie to do that, but she does it. And when she hands me that cup of tea, the first thing I do is say thank you. Why? Because it's what we do when we're grateful. When someone does something for us and we have gratitude towards that, we give thanks. Thank you for that. I appreciate you doing that. We give applause when the performance is awesome. How many of you watch The State of Origin? Yay! How many of you at full time, or when the first try was scored, stood in your lounge room and clapped? Come on, don't go shy on me now. I did. I jumped up and, and you know, I'm sitting in my lounge room. No one's really there, it doesn't matter. But, you know, I'm going to clap as if I'm at the grandstands, as if all of heaven's watching, and I'm going to cheer and carry. Yeah! Go! Woo! Well, I can't do it for the Tigers. We can't. Gosh. Can't win nothing. We had the buy last week and we almost got done for salary cap breaching. So 
Almost lost the points on that as well. But when we see the performance is good, what do we get? We give applause. There's something about gratitude on the inside of us. When we're grateful for something, then we give. It just comes up out of the inside of us in the same way that something funny produces laughter from the inside. When we're grateful, gratefulness produces giving. We just want to give, whether it be verbal, whether it be physical, whether it be a pat on the back, a handshake, a thank you, applause, whatever it is. When we are grateful people, the natural response out of a grateful heart is to give. We want to give. And it's the same with God. Now, you'll be as giving a person as you are a grateful person. You'll be as giving a person as you are a grateful person. If you are not a grateful person in life, I'll I'll tell you this about yourself, you're probably not a very generous person. I'm not just talking about finances here, I'm talking about appreciation. I'm talking about praise. If you're not a grateful person, you are very likely not a giving person. So if you want to become a generous person, then you've got to first become a grateful person because grateful people give. Grateful people are generous people. How do we lose our sense of gratefulness in life? And we all go through this. We lose our sense of gratefulness when we allow blessings to become normalised. We allow the blessings in our life to become normalised. You know, we walked into a building here this morning. How many of you filled with gratefulness? Even thought about saying thank you, God, this morning when we walked in because we've got a building. How many of you, when we walked in and we sat on a chair, had any semblance of gratitude towards God? Or is it just, just normal for us now? You see? It's just normal because... But is it normal? If you looked at a global perspective, is it normal? Is it normal? Or is this a blessing from God? We don't have guards standing out the front with machine guns. When you drove here this morning, you drove on roads. Pretty good condition compared to some of the places I've lived and visited. But these things become normalised to us because we live here. It just becomes normal to us. And when blessings become normalised, then we lose that sense of gratefulness for the things that are going on around us. We live in a really, really blessed place and each of us in this room have really, really blessed lives. No matter what we thought when we walked in here, we do. We're very blessed to be in the position that we're in. To, uh, I'm looking around here at a bunch of people. We probably all had breakfast this morning. Probably all came out of a house with a roof over our head last night when it was pouring down rain. And we all walk... I don't see anybody naked here. I mean, Jackie needs new pants, but other than that, most of the rest of you look pretty respectable. I don't see... You know? <laughs> I'm going to cop it when I get home. <laughs> it's my car, my car today. We lose our sense of gratefulness when we allow our blessings to become normalised. When blessings become normalised, we begin to treat blessings like they're rights. It's my right to have this. It's my right to have that. How do you know if a blessing has become a right? You ever see the scene in the movie where you've got the gentleman and he's, he gets married, he's just newly married, and they have their, their wedding night, whatever, they wake up the next morning. And he goes to work and he comes home and his perfect wife has plated up the perfect meal on the perfect plate on the perfect table 
under the perfect candle at the perfect time and they have their perfect meal and it's just perfect. And then fast forward a little bit down the track and the same man comes home, walks in the door and dinner's not on the table. And he gets angry, frustrated. You ever seen those sort of scenes in movies? What started out as a real beautiful blessing suddenly becomes this terrible scene where instead of being all nice and peaceful and calm because of this meal in front of him, now all of a sudden he's angry and frustrated because he doesn't have a meal in front of him. How do you know when you've allowed a blessing to become a right? When the absence of that thing gets you more frustrated and angry than the presence of that thing gets you grateful. That's when you know the blessings in your life are being treated as rights now. And if you allow your blessings to become rights, you'll lose a sense of gratitude for them. You'll lose a sense of gratitude. You become frustrated at the absence of something instead of grateful at its presence. If you allow that to happen, that's a little bit of a sign that maybe you're taking for granted some of the blessings of God and you're embracing them as rights. If you're embracing them as rights, then you're going to struggle to be grateful. You're going to struggle to be grateful. Let me ask some questions here. How many of you kids here in this room? I'm going to pick on the, on the younger, younger generation for a minute. Don't worry, parents, your parents are going to get their turn. Don't you worry. I'll give it to the parents in a second. And grandparents as well. How many of you this morning, when you woke up, said a little prayer and said, thank you, God, for mum and dad? Thank you that they've put a roof over my head. Thank you that I've got clothes to put on this morning. Thank you that they are interested enough to take me to sport or to, you know, to kick a football with me or a soccer ball or, you know, thank you. Yeah, last night's good. Last night's good. Here's another question. How many of you, how many of you are in the habit of saying that to your mum and dad? Thank you. Little thing. Let me tell you something. Statistically, there are a zillion children out there that don't have that in the world right now. You know, if you can learn to say thank you when you're young, it's so much easier to say when you're older. It's like the word sorry. It's like the word sorry. If you don't learn how to say sorry when you're young, when you make a mistake or whatever, it's so much harder to learn that word when you get older. Start when you're young. You want to be grateful people? You guys want to grow up and be be generous and grateful people? Learn to be grateful when you're young now. Look for the blessings in your life. Now, all these things are rights. Now, I've heard heard kids say, but it's my right. They have to do this, they have to do that. Well, you know what? They may have to, but not everyone does. You're blessed. You're blessed. Husbands, how many of you, and I, I could get myself in a lot of trouble here, I'm sure I could for being gender biased, all right? I'm not the most politically correct human being on planet Earth. Uh, but I'll try my best to walk that gender bias fine line. How many of you are uh, uh, husbands? Maybe this week, have you come home to a clean house? You've been at work and you've come home and, 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 and the house is full. The house is nice and clean. How many of you opened up your cupboard and saw that the food cupboard was full of food? And you said thank you to the food cupboard fairy and then got angry at your wife because there wasn't a bag of chips in there. Where do you think that all came from? How many, how many of your husbands have said thank you to your wife for that? Thank you for keeping the house clean. Yeah. Thank you for uh, what you're, you're, you're doing with the children or, or, or thank you for uh, 
you know, the meal, when I come home and there's a meal there. This, thank you for that. These are little things, and it might seem trivial, but they're actually blessings because not everyone has that. Not everybody has that. Wives. And again, I mean, could be gender bias here, but I hope you can hear my heart, what I'm trying to say. How many of you have said thanks this week, perhaps? Maybe your husband's been out digging holes all week, carrying carpet on his shoulder, <laughs> bending his spine like a pretzel. How many of you, how many of you, you said, you know what, I really appreciate what you do for the family. Thank you. It's a blessing. Thank you for what you do. You know, thank you for making the bed the other morning or... Yeah, well, those of you that did. <laughs> See, all these things, if we sit back and you were to make a list of all the things that are blessings in your life, you wouldn't have time today to write them all out. But when we stop seeing these things as blessings, we stop being grateful. And gratitude stops flowing. Grateful people are givers. If we're not grateful people, we won't be generous people. We won't be giving people. I've got a mate of mine and uh, he's an Asian dude and he got married and uh, he tells us the story about on his wedding day when he woke up the next morning. You see, he had worked it all out already, what, his, what, what life was going to be like once he got married to this beautiful woman and he woke up the first morning thinking she was going to make him breakfast in bed and bring it to him. And he shares the story of how he, he turned to her and he said, so are you going to make me breakfast and bring it to bed? And he said, she looked me in the eyes and she burst into hysterical laughter. <laughs> Had no idea how to do that and wasn't going to do it. And further on, whether it was later in that day or another day or whatever, he comes to her with a shirt and hands her an eye and says, can you iron this? She literally threw the iron at him. That shattered that whole dream. That's not going to happen. You know? Does your wife iron your shirts? Has anyone's wife ever ironed anything for them? You're blessed. You're blessed, she could be throwing irons at you. Cheryl could be throwing irons at you, Pete. But she's not. She's not. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this. It says, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. Not in some things. In everything. How do you give thanks in everything? Well, you've got to see the blessing in life. Now, he's not saying here, in everything give thanks, as in everything that happens in your life is the will of God. What he's saying is it's the will of God for you to find something to give thanks for in the midst of everything. He's not saying that every bad situation you're facing is the will of God. He's saying the will of God is in the midst of every circumstance or situation. Be a grateful person, find the blessing and thank God for it because there's always blessings there. There are blessings around us all the time. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus for us to thank God. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. Do we give thanks always in all things to God? Are we that kind of a people? Because that's the DNA of the church. We are meant to be people that are able to see the blessings of God for what they are. They're blessings. They're not rights. We're blessed. And we're meant to be able to see those blessings. And living in a place where we see those blessings, where we acknowledge those blessings, we should be the most generous people on planet Earth. Because we understand what we deserve, but we also understand what we've got. We understand where we should be, but we understand where we are. We understand what should be coming our way, but we also know what is coming our way. 
You see? We're blessed people. And when we come from a place of gratefulness, as Abram did, Abram stood in that spot right there and was able from that place where he was standing to pinpoint the blessings of God in his life and go, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. God, if you didn't do another thing for me, for the remainder of my time here on planet Earth, I still could not give you enough praise. I still could not give you enough applause. I still could not give enough of my valuables to you, my time to you, my energy to you, my finances. I still could not give enough to you from this place that I'm standing right now to say thank you sufficiently for what you've already done in my life. And Jacob's over here going, well, I want to get there, God, but I'll make a deal with you. You do these things for me, and somewhere down the track, I'm going to become a grateful person. And when I become grateful, God, I'm going to give you a bit of praise, give you a bit of a slap on the back, give you a high five. Might even give you a couple of dollars. Play your cards right, God. You just might get something out of me. Are we Abrams or are we Jacobs? Are we Abrams or are we Jacobs? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, 8 says this. It says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So I reckon that covers all things. He's talking specifically here about a financial offering, but I want to say I think that covers everything you do. Everything you do, give as you've purposed and decided in your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know what? If you're not a grateful person, you'll never be a cheerful giver. Ungrateful people don't cheerfully give praise. Ungrateful people don't cheerfully give applause. Ungrateful people don't cheerfully give of their material means. Ungrateful people don't cheerfully give of their time, their effort, their energy and their skills. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And if they are giving of all that stuff and they're not coming from a cheerful heart, guess what? Your righteousness is like filthy rags. God wants our heart. He wants us to be cheerful. He wants us to give for right motivations, right reasons and so on. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. I love the next verse. The next verse here, God goes on and he says, now here's my response to cheerful givers. Here's, here's what I will do with cheerful givers. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency, in all things. That word sufficiency in the Greek, it literally means this. It means a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Sufficiency of the necessities of life, a mind content with its lot. Wouldn't it be great to be that person? Wouldn't it be great to be living that way? In a perfect condition of life, no need of aid or support, sufficient with my necessities of life being met, and a mind that's actually content with where I'm at right now. Not going, God, if you'll just, if you'll just, no, no, I'm actually in a space of contentment right now. This is what he says. When you're a cheerful giver, then God will make all grace abound towards you. You'll have all sufficiency. You'll live that kind of a life. And watch this, that you may have an abundance for every good work. But you would have an abundance for every good work. So I think the whole, this whole thing about giving, this whole thing about finance, for me, is summed up in that one phrase. That I would respond to God 
that I would be generous, that I would give to God what is God's, that I would, in my opinion, that I would tithe, that I would give my offerings, that I would do what I do. Because at the end of the day, there's a whole bunch of really, really good works out there. And God wants to get stuff to those good works. God wants to get finances. This is what he's talking about specifically here. God wants to get finance out there to those works. Here's the thing. God's goal is not to get money to me. It's to get money through me. It's to get it through me. God doesn't want me to be one of these guys that's sitting there with a big bucket saying, God, load me up, stock me up, stock me up, stock me up. So that... And this is where prosperity has gone to its extremity. This is where money talk is shut down in the church because we don't want to be associated with that. God, I don't want to be the person that's, that's here thinking the end result of the whole deal. If I do my money the way you say, if I tithe, give up, if, I, if, I, if I deal with this whole money side of life the way you say, God, the end result, I don't want it just to be, I'm going to have five Rolls Royces, uh, jets and cars and houses. It, that's... I don't want to be associated with that. So as a reaction to that, we, 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 we steer clear of it. Yet right here sums up the whole thing. Always having all sufficiency in all things, you may have an abundance for every good work. God wants to get stuff not just to you, but he wants to get stuff through you. And if you're the kind of person that God can get stuff through, then God will move heaven and high water to get stuff to you. Okay? If you are not the kind of person that will allow God to give things through you, then the stumbling block to your prosperity is not God. It's me. It's me. God wants to get things through me. That's kingdom. That's kingdom life. There's a guy called Tony Snow. Let's get Christy to come on up. A guy called Tony Snow. Some of you Americans might know him. He was a, a political commentator. Uh, died of cancer in 2008. He was a speechwriter and the White House press secretary, secretary. And he said this. He was speaking to a graduating class at a Catholic university. And he said this. He said, wherever you are, whatever you do, never forget at this moment. This is a guy dying of cancer. Wherever you are and whatever you do, never forget at this moment. And every moment forward, you have a precious blessing. You've got the breath of life. No matter how lousy things may seem. You've got the breath of life. And while God doesn't promise tomorrow, he does promise eternity. This is coming from the mouth of a man who's about to die of cancer. And he's standing there in front of these students going, you know what? I can see blessings all around me. Maybe God will change my situation. Maybe God will change the way I see my situation. Either way, this whole thing about money. See, Jesus said your treasure is where your heart will be. Our money is so attached to who we are. It's so attached to our heart. We'd like to be spiritual and say it's not, but hey, Jesus said it is, and I figure he's right. And what I do with my finances reveals a lot about my priorities, and it reveals a lot about where I'm at as a person. What I do with my time reveals a lot about me. What I give, what I give to, where I give, and so on. And I think God is really challenging us with this whole area. 
of giving. We want to do something significant in this community. Well, guess what? It's going to take time. It's going to take finance. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take a lot of things. And where are those things going to be given from? Well, us. They're going to be given from us. God wants to get things not only to us, but he wants to get things through us so he can build his kingdom. And in the tiny amount of years that we have left here on planet Earth, we can do something of significance. We can do something of eternal value, something that goes beyond ourselves, something that will last forever. And that's God's invitation to us. Like I said at the start of this whole thing, you know, we give voluntarily, we give systematically, and we give gratefully. But God doesn't make us to do anything. He never has. He doesn't sit in the driver's seat of your life. He sits in the passenger seat. He lets you continue to hold the steering wheel because it's your life. He gave it to you. What he will do is throughout your journey here on planet Earth, he will continue to extend a series of invitations to you. Here's an invitation. Come with me. Or don't. It's your call. Here's an invitation. You can respond or don't. I'm not going to love you any less. I'm not going to be mad and angry at you. You may find, though, that had you come with me down this road down the left here, there's a great blessing waiting for you because you chose to go right. Well, whatever happens there, don't blame me because I'm trying to lead you to streams of living water. I'm trying to take you to good places and, and the invitations I'm extending to you are to pretty cool parties. If you don't want to go to them, it's fine. I'm not going to be mad at you. But please don't blame me when you take a right-hand turn instead of a left and you crash into a wall. I'm doing my best to try to lead you to a really good and prosperous place here. And that's what this journey is about. It's God extending invitations to us. I, I, I just want Christy to play for a little bit. We're just going to finish up with the worship song. Like I said at the start, it's got nothing to do with people. It's to do with you and God. But I do feel that the Lord said to me this morning, just open up the front. And just as we sing, if you feel like God's been speaking to you in this area, you know, I've had people coming up to me in the last few weeks um, sort of telling me how they, you know, what, they, what they're doing with their tithes and, and, and how much they, and it's like, I don't, want, I don't need to know any of that stuff. I think, okay? This is you and God. It's not you and me. Happy to talk to you, but please don't feel like you've got to come up to me and justify your, your tithing, your giving, your offerings. Just because it's between you and God. But I just want to open up the space here at the front a little bit. And let me encourage you, if God's been speaking to you, we're not gonna, I'm not wanting to slap hands. We can pray for you if you want us to, but I just felt this morning, just as your own act of faith, just get up out of your chair. Just come on forward and just imagine. Imagine that Jesus was standing here going, I'd love to pray for you this morning. I just want to lay my hands on you. Come and, come and tell me, what, tell me what, what, what's your response to my invitation here. And then you walk away and you live out that invitation. But it's just a small act of faith on our behalf. Thank you. So we're just going to sing this through and if you want to respond to God, you feel led, come on up. If not, that's fine. Father, I just pray right now, God, just speak to us, God. Just solidify what you're saying, God. Thank you, Lord. 